The concept of frame analysis is generally attributed to the work of Irving Goffman in his 1974 book, Frame Analysis, an essay on the organization of experience. Over the years, it's been further developed in social movement theory and policy studies worldwide. The idea is that framing is the process by which someone can define and even construct an issue or situation. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing, I stirred the tanks. Whoa. Think about hey. Tom Hanks' famous line in Apollo 13. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Ed Harris plays the senior NASA leader in the movie, and everyone is throwing problems at him. Lots of negativity. So he finally says... One at a time, people. One at a time. One at a time. What if instead Hanks had said, Houston, there appears to be an issue, but we are confident we can work together to resolve it if we devote attention and resources to it. As a line from a Hollywood movie, no way that would be the feature promo clip, but in the real corporate world, that's probably the way to go. Today on Stories and Strategies, we speak with Stephen Krempel, a global expert who says if we want to climb that corporate ladder or make those above us want to work with us, we need to turn negative messages into positive ones. My name is Doug Downs. We played scenes from Apollo 13 off the top, distributed by Universal. We also played the theme music to the movie, composed by James Horner. My guest this week is Stephen Krempel, joining us just east of Nashville, Tennessee. Stephen, how are things in Music City today? It's fine, Doug. <laughs> That's as good as my Nashville accent, though. <laughs> so, so, so you're 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 a Washington State fellow, right? You're you're from just outside of Seattle, a newcomer to uh, Nashville. Yes, uh, we just moved here from um, Seattle in September. So, um, that, but I'm I'm you know my background, uh, Doug. I'm originally from Singapore, though, right? And I came to the U.S. Uh, in 1998. I was in Dallas and then moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Not Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. <laughs> and then I went to Seattle and then now, now here uh, in Nashville. That's great to have you. Stephen, I know your career spans uh, 25 years working with Fortune 500s like Starbucks Coffee, Yum Brands, where you were the VP of Yum University, which is just cool to say. That's right. Uh, we know Yum from brands like KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, right. Long John Silver, A&W. You were also at PepsiCo uh, and Motorola in Singapore is where it all kind of started. At each of these corporations, you held roles which included responsibilities to help thousands of executives with their developmental needs or supplier customer training. Right. Fair to say that the concept of training is, is in your blood, right? That's right, totally. Perfect. You've also given keynote addresses at various conferences throughout the United States, South Africa, Australia, Germany, the UK, Switzerland, Dubai, Thailand, and more. Not Canada? Canada's not on the list yet. No, that's right. Well, I was up in BC, but I didn't give any, uh, you know, any uh, conference speeches or keynotes yet, but... Maybe, maybe, Doug, one day. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity if you're planning your conference. Stephen, you started learning these lessons early. Your first corporate job at Motorola 
you had spent time in the army before that, had gone corporate out of the army. And I can just imagine, you thought you knew a thing or two, right? A little bit of swagger, maybe. The head of HR came to you and asked you to review the training processes of the company and to give them an update. Um, Could you tell that story? You wrote this in your book. Could you tell that story about how you how you understood the ask what you did and how it kind of turned out okay so dog here we go though picture this i'm sitting at my desk right where the head of hr regional head of hr comes in and says hey crumple uh why don't you come over to my office so i go wow wow jason's calling me in his office so i go over to this office and says you know crumple i've seen you for the last six months and you're pretty good so I want you to review all our processes here we have in our organization. And, uh, you know, I'm going on a two-week uh, uh, regional trip. And when I come back, uh, you show me all the things you found out that are not quite right here or we think we can improve. So I said, yeah, no problem, Jason. And I'm going, yes, this is my chance because I love pointing out people's mistakes to Right. <laughs> so here I am. I'm going up for the next two weeks. I got to list down my, you know, of all the things that wasn't done. Right. And I got, I was reveling in my brilliance. Right. So now Jason comes back and he goes, Hey, Grumble, come on in. Uh, did you uh, find out? He says, Yep, Jason, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is missing. This is missing. This is missing. I'm not sure who was in my position, short of saying he was an idiot, but I'm not sure who was in that position, but they were obviously not doing their job. Though He hesitated for about three seconds, and then he said, I was in your position <laughs> before you came in. I go, whoops. I put my foot, both feet in my mouth. Right. Yeah. And then he said this, which forever changed Doug, the way I approach senior executives in a corporation. Though He said, Stephen, all you could have said is this. You know, Jason, if we put this, this, this in place and if we fix this, this and this, uh, you know, process, we'll have a much better functioning organization. And I would have said, please carry on, though. And then it struck me because then he continued and said, look, anything that's going wrong here in Motorola, the person who's leading that organization probably put it in place or hasn't fixed it, though. Your job is to help them, right? Not point it out, though, because they already know it's there, though. And that totally changed my total perspective because I thought I was being a smartass going in and telling them what what was wrong, though. Right, so. Yeah, that look at look at what I know. So, so that's that little portion of your book is the part that stood out to me naturally because I have a story of my own that came sure. kind of two thirds of the way through my career. You you had your experience at the beginning, I had mine kind of later. Unfortunately, I was I was working for a very large corporation, had been hired to do stakeholder engagement, lead stakeholder yep. engagement, and I had some experience from other big corps and kind of had a bit of swagger, thought I knew a whole lot of stuff. And I was talking with a client and I was talking about stakeholder engagement processes and blah, blah, blah. And she said to me at one point, hey, I'd love to go for coffee and pick your brain. <laughs> so, and this is where I made my mistake. I, I, of course I said, yeah. And I genuinely went to that coffee thinking she wanted to know all the things I knew. So when we had the coffee, I just started 
sharing all my knowledge and of course you don't do this you do that and it's not red it's going to be blue make sure it's like that and pretty soon i got feedback from a, a very senior exec and said you know i'm hearing from some folks that that uh that you might be a little arrogant in front of them and i kind of <laughs> knew i knew where that was coming this, does that sound like a familiar story to you yeah, so this is this is an interesting one because, you know, I get kind of two ends of the spectrum for people, right? One is those who don't say anything, in which I teach them how to do it. And then those who say too much, I'm not saying you said too much, but when they say too much and they still don't realize they've done it, though. Right. Right? So in your case, when, it, when you're dealing with somebody more senior or whether it's you or somebody else, right, is really to not to tell them what you know, though. It is what they want to know. What you know is a hell of a lot more than what they want to know. And what they want to know may not be what you want to tell them, though, right? They may not want to hear that. It's just like when a senior executive goes to you and says, you know, Doug, I want you to tell me what's wrong around here. And I, I want you to be frank. Though. That's not permission for you to tell them what's going wrong, wrong around here, though, that, right? That is like... Oh, you know, Stephen, maybe we could do some improvement here, improvement there, not go one, two, three, four, five here, all the things that are wrong. So the, what they ask and what they really want, maybe two different things. And I think in your case, it was the one. I, I was in a conference in Vegas uh, maybe four weeks ago, and a lady right at the end of my uh, keynote said, uh, you know, Stephen, you know, love the, the topic. Here's what happened. Though. I, she's the head of a fire station, fire chief or something, and she says, this new guy comes in, and the first thing he tells me in our first meeting was, I reviewed all your uh, safety equipment, and they're crap. <laughs> I'm going, that, that's the only thing I remember about this guy, though, right? And he's been here for six months. So, so be careful, and you know, everybody just pay attention. So one of the things, I, I, if you mind, I, I need to explain this, because this, this probably is another crux of the matter, which people sometimes miss, though. How you communicate 95% of the time, which is most of the time with your peers and maybe your subordinates and stuff like that, maybe even your, your supervisor, is very different than what I call the 5% time, which is people who are two levels above you. Though, How you communicate at the 5% is very different than how you communicate at the 95%. Now, people all go this, well, Stephen, that's not being very authentic, though. No, it's nothing to do with being authentic or not. It has to be with your role, though. So what is your role at the 95? Probably, hey, problem solver, let's you know roll up our sleeves and get it done. In the 5%, you just have a short period of time because you don't, everybody there you know, doesn't have a lot of time. And you've got to update them on some project, some issue, some situation that they want you to say in a very quick, you know, uh, quick, time right and it's and tell them as positively as that you can and convince them that you're going to solve the problem that's what they want to hear though they know the situation is bad right that's why they hired you though, in the first place so that's kind of the context though you you have examples of five of these key situations maybe the five but let's get to those in a second sure um, the point that you're making here about these neg negative utterances is that they get more attention. That's yep. they stir more emotion. This is the amygdala in the brain, blah de blah de yep, blah. Yep, yep, yep. Has more influence. If I tell someone, hey, I loved your presentation. I learned so much, maybe a little long in the middle, but wow, I'm gonna tell everyone how much I liked it. 
That's the right. part they'll remember is yeah, a little long in the middle. Yeah, it and it's funny because you know I've been in many succession planning meetings, right? That's my part role in HR, and you know the, how it happens. Your name comes up, and then people go, "Oh, you know, Stephen Kreppel," and then the senior executive would say that. Wasn't he the one that asked me that question in the town hall? They even remember the negative question, no doubt. I mean, it's amazing. You would think of all the hundreds of people, they won't remember it. They remember the negative stuff. Though. Is, is it about when someone asks me, hey, I want to go for coffee, I want to pick your brain. Is it important <laughs> for me in that moment in time to try to identify their so-called pain points? You talk yeah. about, you know, what is it they're really, what are they listening for? What is it they're after? Is it... Is one opportunity for me to try to frame their pain points and then speak selectively to those? Yeah, right up front. Yeah, you probably don't want to say, you know, is there anything in particular you really want me to kind of emphasize or talk about? Though? Because, you know, we only have, you, know, you can make it up. We have half an hour, we have 20 minutes, you know, what, what do you want? Because otherwise you could go on for hours actually, right? Right, right. But, so you kind of frame it that way and immediately, you know, that's what people will do. Say, no, no, I really want to pick your brain on this though, right? So this, you know, let's call it A. But what happens if you started with B, though, right? And then I'm going, oh, here's this guy, Doug, trying to be a smartass, telling me about B when I really want to find out about A, though, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's wrong order, even if I tell you B and then yep. A, I've gotten the order wrong and they've, they've tuned yep. out. Okay. These five situations yep. when my leader really sees or hears me. What are they? Okay, here it is. They're the only five, though, Doug. Everybody listen up. The one-on-one, -on -one, the team meeting, whether it's a small team meeting or a large town halls, the conference call or the virtual call nowadays, the business presentation, or the company social. There's nothing else. They don't know if you came in at 7.30 in the morning, and they don't probably care if you left at 7.30 that night, though, right? What they, happens is they go, Doug Downs, it goes back in their head. How is the one-on-one -on -one I had with him? Did he say anything in the team meeting? I saw his name on the list in the conference call. Didn't think he said anything. Well, we're still, well, wasn't he the one that asked that negative question, right? How was his business presentation? And did he even come up and talk to us at the company social? That's what people remember. These are the five situations in the office, though, right? Uh, or in a corporation. And, and, and so you have to be careful, especially in those 5% particular situations where people don't meet you very often. And if they only met you twice a year and both times you are negative, guess what they're thinking about you though? Right. Man, that Steven is a negative guy. Though. Maybe I'm not, maybe 95% of the time I'm, I'm pretty neutral and nice to everybody else though, but I'm fighting on behalf of my team. So I'm bringing up an issue and I'm really passionate overly passionate, right? Using the wrong words. Though. Podcasting. Now there's an idea. You listen to podcasts. Maybe a podcast is right for you or one of your clients. Stories and Strategies is a full podcast production company with clients in the United States, as well as Canada, Great Britain, and Australia. If you want to chat, send me an email, doug at storiesandstrategies.ca, and we'll set up that chat. Let's talk podcasts. But, 
but what if my company, and especially as you grow in marketing and senior communications, your, your role becomes less what you do so much as your strategic advice, right? That That is the chair we yeah. want to hold. What if my company is going left and I honestly think it should turn right? Isn't it, you mentioned authentic, okay. right? So, Shouldn't I be authentic? Yep. So very good. So let's clarify. I'm a pragmatic person just like you. Here's what I'm going to say. Let's say the last five times. Let's say the last time five times I met you, Doug. Okay. If you were positive, positive, neutral, neutral, negative, maybe I'll go, hey, Doug's pretty balanced though, right? But if you were negative, 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 the next time you come in, I'm going to switch off before you even open your mouth. Though. So you've just shot yourself in the foot. If you think by being authentic, it means I'm going to say anything and I'm going to say it any way I want. And I'm going to tell it like it is. If you were a little bit more balanced, you know what? People say, you know, Doug's not normally like that. I think he really is passionate or really has a concern about this stuff. And, and that's where people make a mistake. I had a, a gentleman who was, we were doing a training class, and he said this, he, head of R&D, he says, Stephen, my role is to be negative. I'm going, you got to be kidding me, though. No, 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 my role is to be negative. I said, what do you mean your role is to be negative? My role is to tell corporate headquarters why they don't give us enough budget, why they don't give us enough headcount, why they don't give us any all the choice. Pro and he was going on and on. And the, the, the team started to jump on him and says, you are the reason they're giving all the choice projects to those other group, R&D groups. Though. What kind of thought process if you think your role is to be negative? Though, Who's going to mm -hmm. listen to you? Though, Can you imagine what the people in corporate headquarters are saying about you? You think you're being authentic, though, right? Right. So let me, and I, I hear you, I, and you're right. Um, let, let's carry on with that example where the company's going left, and I think they should go right. How can I earn? I, I do want to be a truth teller. Sure. I want my CEO to say, truth tellers, who have I got? Who's not kissing oh, my, okay. yeah, you yeah. know, That's right. right? Okay. How do I say, shouldn't we be going right? How would okay, I do so, that? So let's, let, let's, let me paint a, 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 let's paint a scenario, okay? Let's say the company is uh, losing market share because everybody else is doing the same thing we're doing. We used to be market leaders, but now we're not, right? Right. So how do I bring that up and say, yeah, we really need to be investing more in this than, you know, everybody else caught up, right? So you could do that, uh, Doug, you know, all, everybody in the market is now using X, Y, and Z. How can we continue to stay ahead in this area? So now I've made it a spin. I didn't say we're losing ground. I said, how do we continue to stay ahead versus Oh, we're losing. So you, you see the whiner versus the person who's trying to phrase it. I'm still saying we have an issue. Everybody is, is using the same thing. How do we continue to stay ahead, even though we know the real situation is we're falling behind, right? Right. So, right. And, and it's the choice of words. And that's why in, in the book, in the end, you'll see towards the end, it's we have kind of 18 word sets. And a word set is how do you take a negative word and convert, find a more neutral way of saying it, and then a more positive way of saying it. And 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 people end up because, you know, it, it they think negative and it comes straight out of their mouth. Now, if it's a team meeting, no problem, right? Hey, guys, how do we solve the problem, though? Right? We, we can talk about it that way. Now, if I'm going to present that to my supervisor, 
I still could use the word problem or, or I may go, Doug, you know, I think we have an issue though. Right. So I changed the word problem to issue. And then you go, Hey, let's tell Sally, uh, you know, my boss uh, about this issue. So now I go to Sally, uh, Sally with a few tweaks. I think we can solve all the customers problem. What happened to the problem? We went from problem to issue to <laughs> tweaks though, but it's deliberate, right? What happens if I show up in front of Sally and go, Sally, we have problems. Though. What's the first thing she's thinking about it? Here's this crample guy again, complaining all the time yep. about problems though. And if you mind, can I share one more story? Absolutely. Picture this, this early on in my career. And, and, and again, coming out of the army, I thought I was a smart ass and I knew every, everything, man. I was pretty damn good anyway. So, but anyway, so I'm here in my first sales job. I was working for my brother. He was a general manager and the head of sales, uh, the sales manager gave my customer to another of my colleagues. I'm going, damn guy, I'm going to stand up tomorrow. So I'm rehearsing in my head the night before how I'm going to go up to him yeah. in front of everybody in the open office system. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to raise my voice and make sure everybody hears it. And then I'm going to ask him why he gave this problem, blah, 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 right? So I planned it out. Next morning, I went there, boom, I'm up in front of his face. I raised my voice and I said, why did you give the customer to uh, Jason when he should not have been there? It's my customer. And he didn't even react to I look like an idiot, though, right? Be because of the way you expressed it. The way I expressed it, right? And he didn't react. Yeah. I was waiting for him to say, no, you know, I was waiting to go into an argument. He didn't even go into an argument. I'm going, damn. Now, if you rethink of it, all I could have done is said, hey, uh, Jason, you know, uh, I think by mistake, you've given the my customer to, uh, you know, uh, to Sam over here. Uh, maybe next time in our meetings, we might want to bring it up and just double check, though. That would have been in my intention wanted to solve the issue. The first one was I'm going into blame though. And so the intention is very important though. Because if you intend to blame, you find blaming words though. Mm -hmm. If you intend to be neutral, you find neutral words. And if you intend to be nice about it, you find nice words though. That's right. And what you're saying is try to find workable solutions. I like your style, Stephen. Right. Can you imagine how different Twitter would look if people took this mentality oh to social media? Gracious. Entirely different. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we have a link to your book uh, in the show notes. Yes. It, I've read it. It is a wonderful book. I really appreciate your time today, Stephen. Um, thank you. Thank you, though. I appreciate you for uh, sharing my message, and uh, hopefully people will become a little bit more positive, at least more neutral, when they're communicating with their senior leadership. Absolutely. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, the best email, it's also in the show notes, info at krempelcommunications.com. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. We're hoping you might leave a rating or a review on Apple or Spotify more than anything else. If you like this episode, be positive, not neutral, be positive and tell one friend. Thanks for listening.